Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. At the 43. Little toss. Here comes a gadget play. Randall L. He can throw. He was a quarterback in college. And he's thrown a touchdown to Heinz Ward in the Super Bowl. 19. Toss to White. Super Bowl! Brady has his fifth! What a comeback! Four-man rush. Eli throwing into traffic on the sideline. They're going to rule it a catch by Manningham. Along the sideline, they're going to spot the ball at the 50-yard line. Minus three. With Dave Damashek. Ah, yes. All three of the voices you're about to hear have something to celebrate on this day. At the time of this recording, Steelers fans, Patriots fans, Giants fans, muzzle tub, but all that stuff's in the rearview mirror. It's time to look ahead to Super Bowl 57. Eagles. Who are they playing again? Whoever they're playing. Oh, yes, the Kansas City Chiefs. That's who. Welcome to Minus Three, presented as always by Omaha. By the time you're consuming this, Eddie Spaghetti, me, Cousin Sal, and a lot of the crew will already have uh, have landed in Phoenix, Arizona, on our way to Glendale, Arizona. One guy who will not be making that trip, he's too busy running show business right now. It's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? How are you? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm I'm gassed, though. I did about 13 hours at Disneyland yesterday, uh, speaking of show business, um, giving back, giving some of that Disney scratch back to the mother office. Um, I got to say now, I don't know if you remember this check. You're younger than I am, but there was a, there was a documentary film, I think 1978 called scared straight. And it was, hmm. it was set. It was like filmed in Rahway state prison. It's had a big impact on me. That's why I didn't choose a life of crime. Uh, but it was juvenile delinquents had to like go, sit face to face with with real hardcore convicts in prison. And the idea was like, we can scare you straight. Uh, as you guys know, like going to Disneyland will scare you straight to the gym. Like when you go to Disneyland, <laughs> you're like, oh my God, uh, this is what awaits us if we don't, if we don't get our to the gym. Like, oh my God. And I don't see. You wouldn't tell your your nine year old, your adorable nine year old and her friends, you wouldn't go like, hey, uh, just just go run. Just go play on the freeway. Just go run around where motorized vehicles are whipping by you. But Disneyland is a hellscape of two different vehicles. One, obviously, motor operated because people have eaten themselves onto a rascal. And like, again, hey, the rest of society has to adjust for us. Like, hey, you, your, your kid might get run over by this, you know, by 500 pounds of, you know, just amorphous flesh on a rascal. And you better just get out of the way because society has to adjust. And then the other. You're describing the back half of the movie. I think it's a Disney film, too. So appropriate. Wally. That's a basically That's what, what, what awaits all saying. of the human I race, right? I haven't seen Wally, and she Heather just kept going, "Wally, you got to see Wally." Um, <laughs> so, 
But when you when your kid successfully uh, dodges the the killing machine rascal uh, coming right at her, then she gets picked off by the uh, human operated pram, which has a pre sentient uh, newborn in it who will remember nothing from Disneyland. Like, was this important? This was important to get your eight month old to Disneyland. So now we have we have children trying to have fun dodging rams being pushed with newborns in them who will have no who are basically just scared of the Mulan uh, parade. And then and then just just, you know, people I mean, it's like I, I, I can't it is a horror it is a horror. I mean, it's funny because we just went to Vegas not that long ago. And when you're in Vegas, you're like, wow, this is rough. This is hard to watch, watching that much Americana and the way we live and the way we eat and the way, you know, the way we function, florid, uh, just like so over, over nourished. And then you go to Disneyland, you're like, oh, my God, you you shouldn't you shouldn't go to Disneyland within two months of having been to Vegas. Like, it's just it's too much. Anyway, I <laughs> I'm going to get on that Peloton and I'm going to I'm going to go to the gym and bench today. I got to. Wow, man, that was it was just it was scary. Wait, you're the yin to all the all the slobby yangs of society. Well, you're you gonna know, make things I've right. Always, I've always I've always liked to keep my ish tight, but mm. um it's hard in, in middle age and and uh with with responsibilities, but like you know, I, I today I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go hard. Uh I, I just can't I I it's I mean, you know. Well, we were talking about it on here, but like when you, yes, all the um, American GIs who shipped out for World War II got super trim once they had dysentery on Guadalcanal, but they were trim when they got on the transport ships. They were, mm. everybody was lean. Everybody was lean. That You will see at Disneyland 1,000 people who would have been the heaviest person in America in 1942. <laughs> it's really true. I, you know, first of all, um, I really, maybe because my glass is half full and it's great to see that Kevin Hench is, is really feeling the spirit of Super Bowl week and all the exciting possibilities. He's in a great mood as ever. Boy, the minus three listeners have latched on to Kevin Hench and something that people have known Kevin Hench for any amount of time have known for a long time. He is the I, I mean, the Picasso of complainers. I mean, he really is <laughs> terrific at it and the world is finding out about it. And so I extend muzzle tub to you on that. My glass is half full because same thing as I say about when I watch The Bachelorette, it's like, yeah, what a collection of losers. But it makes me feel better because then I say, like, at least I'm not that dorky. I'm at least I'm not any one of those 25 guys. Wait, ABC is like these are the prizes of society right here. Like, well, then Damashek's in pretty good shape. If these are the catches out there right now, I'm doing better than I thought. One and two, what I always think about with weight loss, the best way in the 21st century to lose weight is apparently naked and afraid. Anytime I tune in, the one consistent thing is that those people lose like 37 pounds while they're out in the jungle or the desert or otherwise. Who 
among the three of us would survive the longest in Naked and Afraid? Eddie Spaghetti, I go with you first here. I, I'm asking you first to to name who you think would do best there. Um, I don't think you, Dave. Um, I'm not sure how Hench's outdoor um experience. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I grew up doing a lot of like fishing, a lot of um stuff like that, where I'm I'm used to. So I do watch a ton of nature shows. But I have I would have trouble falling asleep outside. So I think that <laughs> you watch nature shows like it's I inter- on your resume for why you would do well. No, but like I watch, yeah, that 100 percent is accurate. Like I watch like every episode of like Survivor Man or Man vs Wild with Bear Grylls. So I know like all right, moss on a tree like points north. Like I know certain like you can't eat every berry and stuff because it's gonna kill you. Like the guy in Into the Wild, like stuff like that. So I I'm <laughs> but aware do you know which stuff. berries are good and which are bad because that's because the, the devil's in the details there. Knowing that some berries will kill you is not enough. You have to know which berries. All, are yeah, kill I mean, you. I would probably just stay away. But my the ultimate um, reason, my downfall would be I wouldn't be able to fall asleep there. People asked me recently to go camping, and I'm like, unless I'm going to get a hotel or an RV or something, it's not happening. Like I'm not camping out. I'm not sleeping outside. <laughs> I would be great. Sun up to sun down. Yeah. The minute the sun's down, then I'm I'm toast. If our no interest, yeah, I'm with outdoor, you. I no if interest. If our outdoor games begin and end every day at the Four Seasons, Spaghetti's going to crush us. But if they involve sleeping outdoors, <laughs> no, I think Spaghetti Spaghetti wins. You know, he just starts at such an advantage. He's so That's much right. bigger, so much bigger. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'd be much. More. You know, you know how when body I, his body has a lot more to eat. Yes, you know, exactly. before he starts uh, to really waste uh, away. Although, man, I really, uh, I, I, gotta, <laughs> I, I might, I got to do my own naked and afraid in the backyard. I got to, I got to shed some lbs. My uh, special, my special thing. You're allowed to bring one thing on naked and afraid. Mine would be booze. I mean, like, what would I do? I, I mean, it just would be a non-starter. You want to go for 21 days? Well, I mean, is there going to be beer and wine served? No. Like, well, then, well, let's uh, let's cut the crap and come up with another event to do. Anyway, I'm sorry, Hench. Continue. I was going to say, like, you know how when the Olympics, any city the Olympics come to, or World Cup, any big event, like it's like suddenly, magically, all the unhoused people vanish. Like Barcelona, like yeah, we don't have mm-hmm. a homeless problem anymore. What well, where'd they go? Hey, don't worry your pretty little head about where they went. Like, just enjoy the Olympics. Like, I feel like when when Mahomes goes goes to Disney World, they do the same thing with the with the rascals. Like, Mahomes is not going to have his ACL blown out by a by a wayward rascal. They like they make it look real nice for Mahomes. <laughs> hey, where are, where are all the rascals? Don't worry about it. Yeah, could you do this when I take my family? No can do. I love that. I I I love the irony of having a ride to go to a place where you're gonna get on rides. That's yeah. that that's wonderful. and then you obviously you see the people who pop right off them. They go like, no, I'm just I'm fine. I mean, I don't like walking around, you know, it's a it's a pain. So I'm just gonna drive a scooter around the park. What this should right. be good, right? Just just two. I mean, they have California Adventure and they have Disneyland, both awesome. But why don't you just make like, um, you know, vehicle park and and walking park? Like, hmm. okay, are you gonna are you gonna walk? Great, because it's the it's the combination that's so dangerous. Just the I never thought about. I never really thought about maybe 
you know, that's all the rage these days. They have the Harry Potter world and the Star Wars world. Maybe we didn't realize that we are in a really immersive Wally experience while you're at Disneyland. Like this is it. You're in it, man. This it's all around you, man. This is the second act and third act of the movie Wally. All right, we have uh well, let's jump into all of it now. But oh, one more thing on entertainment and stuff. I was very pleased that uh, that my little guy, uh, eight year old, was watching because he and his little sister are now both in uh, the school musical um, Willy Wonka. And so to prime them for this, we showed them the original Willy Wonka, not nice. the Johnny Depp jive. Um, but I was very pleased that he was able to identify that Grandpa Joe is one of cinema's great a-holes i mean really like that that he's laying in that bed head to foot with the other old people and then as soon as he gets a chance at the golden ticket he jumps out of bed and starts dancing around he's a fraud many have pointed that out but this was an eight-year-old boy who caught it so i was very proud of him for identifying that but go back and watch that movie throughout grandpa joe joe is an a-hole i mean the the bed thing jumping out of bed gets a lot of the ink throughout the movie He's mean to the little kids. He's snarky to them. But as soon as he gets a chance, he drinks the thing that floats him up to the ceiling and almost kills his grandchild. And then at the end, when Wonka gives the boy the keys to to uh, the empire, Grandpa Joe says, literally says, is there anything in it for me? I mean, says, is there anything in it for me? You so old we- creepo, you ain't gotten enough out of this whole deal here. By the way, you don't think the grandkid's going to take care of you? You're asking Willie if he's got something for you on the side, too? I mean, he is. he really is an outrageous villain that has not been um, presented as such. So, so we can pretty much extrapolate that Gramps is flying around Disneyland on a scooter. Then he gets to the Incredicoaster, hops up and sprints into the lightning lane for his ride. now back on back onto my scooter okay great yeah yeah creepo all right let's get it we have have a lot to talk about here and we 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 had to complain a little about uh, a little bit about this that and the other hey good news we're about to complain a little bit more as we jump into our goat and goats and then eddie spaghetti has provided us with a nice list of super bowl 57 props let's round it all out here since hench won't be with us in phoenix slash glendale arizona last time i was there I watched the New England Patriots survive the Seattle Seahawks um, in on the Malcolm Butler play, one of probably the three greatest plays in Super Bowl history. Um, so that, you know, maybe whet your appetite to look ahead here a little bit. Hench. So we'll go through all of those, but let's start it off with our goat and goats. And you guys can talk pro football if you want. There are other sports going on. And my goat of the week is Kyrie Irving. He's catching a lot of flack because he requested a trade from from the Brooklyn Nets but I hail this guy he's such a wonder that he wants to share his talent with as many basketball fans as he possibly can and I think it's especially nice because he's a flat earther so it's not as easy a trip for the rest of us to just circumvent the 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 big blue marble he's got a like if he's at one end of earth and then he gets traded to the other end. That's that trip's going to be like 10 times longer for him. So I hail him and he's catching a lot of flack and I don't get that. My go to the week, all the curmudgeons. I don't know if you saw it on Saturday. The Indiana Hoosiers. I'm a, a, a college basketball polygamist, according to some. I grew up loving Pitt 
basketball, of course. Then I went to Indiana University, and I and I love that as well. The Hoosiers knocked off their arch rival PU in Assembly Hall. Number one in the land are the Boilers, or were until they got knocked off. And the student body flooded the court. And Reese Davis and Seth Greenberg and any number of other people took the social media, were on TV and otherwise, saying, like, you're a blue blood program. You're better than this, Indiana. You can't storm the court just because you beat a number one team. I don't care if they're your rival or not. And to you, I say, listen, I struggle to enjoy my own life, but that notwithstanding, I I honor anyone who is doing their best to not just survive, but live. And those 19-year-olds, average age, 20-year-olds, maybe a few belts in them, running down under the court is not something to ascend the Mount Pius to complain about. Do you think any of those kids were alive the last time the Hoosiers won a national championship? Forget national championship. How about a final four? This is something that you're going to tie yourself into knots over, that the Hoosiers are a blue blood program. Those kids have no have no ties to that. and. I legitimately wonder how many of those kids could put could pick Bob Knight out of a lineup. I mean, sincerely. I mean, what do they know? And I could even add in, in the year of the Lord 2023, do you think 20-year-old uh, undergraduates hail Bob Knight? That they wish to, to genuflect to Bob Knight, who choked one of his players yeah. and bullied everybody, including school administration and beyond his life is marked by a, a series of bullying. Now, as a kid, I loved it. He provided a lot of good times as a basketball fan for somebody rooting for his basketball team, but he also went out of his way to make it as joyless an experience as possible. Witness the fact that he literally wouldn't allow there to be a student body in assembly hall, the swooning, the disparity between what a, Dickie V carrying the water for Coach Knight. The all the the the, the song like oh one of the great atmospheres in college basketball assembly hall baby this crowd's alive. It's a bunch of fifty year old guys when I was there who were attempting to dress like they are Bob Knight. It was a weird sort of cult. Guys wearing the red Indiana sweater with the belly kind of showing underneath, and that was who you were listening to. And the student body was spread all over the arena because I'm not even sure why I have no idea what coach Knight's logic was beyond. No, that would be too much fun for the kids. And uh, so shame the devil. We can't have that anyway, fat to the people who, especially those who work in sports, who seem to be incapable of extracting any joy from sports. I say fat to you. You're the goat of the week. Hench, how say you? Well, first of all, I there's so much to unpack there. And I know the whole world is is talking about Indiana college basketball right now. I mean, look at this social week. media. People are uh, talking about okay. this. The but, court storm. Uh, but I love that you you finally seen the light. First of all, you you said they couldn't pick Bobby Knight out of a lineup. Then you basically acknowledge that's where he belongs. The guy's a sociopath <laughs> who should be in prison. Like, this is the greatest moment of our friendship. I've been saying this for, for the 25 years I've known you, and you're finally going like, Bobby Knight's a despicable sociopath. He's a creep. And, and these are all the terrible things he did uh, that should have gotten him in that lineup uh, before he was put away. Um, yeah, no, nothing worse than than the... Than the sharp dressed ESPN announcers lecturing the drunk 19 year olds about propriety. Ugh, 
It's gross. And then Jim Beheim, then Jim Beheim gets in front of a microphone. Speaking of my sports polygamy. And uh, announces to the world that, uh, you know, insinuates he doesn't have any respect for the season the Pitt Panthers are having because they bought their team, as did Wake Forest, apparently. Good thing your hands are clean, Jimmy Bayheim. Good thing that uh, the Qs never – well, your hands aren't clean because there are many uh, still shots and videos of you picking your nose. So that's that's not literally true. But, I mean, spiritually, clean program up there in uh in in western new york there uh, speak out jim Beheim. Uh, condemn <laughs> condemn uh money being involved listen in that's that's the new that's the new american way whatever you're absolutely guilty of right you, you just go nuts you lean into the accusation right how, yeah yeah just the, the response could... is not on you not on you that's what you say but because you mentioned Kyrie, and and obviously a bad goat for eternity, what LeBron James is about to do, what he has been doing, the in a in the same way that people take the sort of workaday uh, immorality of Trump as like whatever it's Trump, who cares? LeBron James gets taken for granted for for the good stuff. Like his career is insane that he is still doing what he's doing on a nightly basis and, you know, is about to become, you know, the all-time leading scorer. And then, of course, you know, there will be debate. I don't think he's ever going to surpass Jordan in most purists' minds as the greatest of all time. But, man, his his line of, you know, scoring, rebounding, and assists, just this unbroken two decades of consistency at an elite level, just completely kind of taken for granted. Just, just like, yeah, that's it is weird. I wonder if you could color it. I don't know if that's, if that counts as political or whatever, but you know, the, the fact that he didn't disavow, you know, China for, you know, supposedly for, Ooh, that's a good you know, tie in. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, no. yeah, whatever. I, but, but people, but you know, people do float that is that, that, that there's a reason to resent him for political purposes or whatever. But I mean, I think that the, the root of it is people digging their heels in, you know, that a giant percentage, I'm trying to even do the math in my head here. Like what percentage of self-described sports diehards were around to watch Jordan in his prime. I wonder, is that like half the population of, of so? Because people, obviously, that's what's fun about sports debates is that ultimately it, it falls back to the guy I watched in my generation. The star of our generation is who we defend more, more often than not. So I think there's some of that going on. And I do, I've gone really back and forth on it, the, the, the whole thing. I agree with you, though, because that, I think that it has forged this weird resentment by floating the name LeBron that now makes people kind of angry at LeBron because how dare you compare anybody to the to the best of all time. But I, I agree. You know, I talk about the curse of Sposta. It's a particular one with LeBron James, which is at the age of 16, it was decreed like he's supposed to challenge Michael Jordan to go down as the best of all time, not be a really good NBA player. But this kid. I mean, he's a, a sophomore in high school. He might be the best basketball player in the history of people. Like that's a lot of that's a lot of weight to drop on a high school kid's shoulders. Like you know, then he gets to the league, doesn't play college or anything else. You know, I'm I'm sensitive to that because Mario Lemieux was also 
um, saddled with those same expectations. That's a lot to drop on a, Hey, save the city, save, save, save the team, you know, like, uh, or else it's going to move or it might just dissolve. That's a lot to throw on a kid. You, I mean, all-star game. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do, man. You're supposed to be in the all-star game. Now, now go win some titles. You know, that is super heavy. And to overcome that to the degree that LeBron has. And, and as you say, it's also, so he's done all that. He has more than succeeded um, and lived up to the expectations and all of that. But now on top of all that, he's 38 and he is, I mean, I forget all the history, forget all the weight as he enters the league 20 years ago or any of that just by itself at age 38, he's having like a Roy Hobbs kind of season here. No, nobody plays like this at age 38 and LeBron James is doing it. So I agree, but I wonder if there's anything he could do to overcome Jordan in the collective wisdom, even 51%. I, I, if he won a title, like if all of a sudden they got red hot and they ran to a title here, wouldn't that be enough? That would be something that you could say, see, Jordan never did that. Well, it's funny you mentioned China in the context of this conversation, because even though I'm, I'm uh, honoring LeBron for his on-court performance, it is funny when, you know, I was wearing my free Hong Kong T-shirt to uh, to Bass NBA games because I believe in freedom. And LeBron goes, you know, to people like me and to uh, to Daryl Morey, the, the GM who had the temerity to say, like, hey, this is effed up. Uh, LeBron said, you got you got to educate yourself. So I'd like to I'd like to take this opportunity to quiz LeBron James. Um what was the name of the last free independent newspaper in Hong Kong that the Chinese government closed down now that there's no free press in Hong Kong anymore? Do you remember the name of that paper, LeBron? Oh, what? You don't? You don't remember the name of the paper? Oh, wait. Well, well LeBron we, isn't guess, much for specifics. He thinks that we, uh, he thinks that Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Okay. He thinks Sammy you know Sosa and Mark McGuire broke Hank Aaron's home run. Le- LeBron, he, name, name, LeBron name 10. Of of any ten of the scores of political candidates who were imprisoned in Hong Kong by the Chinese government, just as we're educating ourselves on China, as we're trying to get smart on China, name okay, LeBron. What's the name of the province in China that has concentration camps to re-educate the Uyghurs? Educate yourself, LeBron. Now, now, now I now I'm angry that I chose this guy as my good goat. You make a good point, Check. All right, he's also my bad goat. <laughs> God, that's neat. He's also good. my bad goat. Uh, there you are. See, Le- like you're yin and yang, and Le- for the LeBron heavy set people, LeBron he's and his Trump, own. LeBron and Trump, who would not get along great, but are are it both equally in bed with the Chinese totalitarian uh, evil government. Um, but it, it is crazy that, that Kyrie is demanding a trade. Like, it's like, Hey, who wants diphtheria free diphtheria? It's like, what, what could the market be for that guy? It is like everywhere he goes, you know, it's like everything Trump touches dies. Everything Kyrie visits gets sick. He's, uh, and by the way, you know, more and more one dimensional as a player. Like it it is ironic that both the Clippers and the Lakers could use that exact skill set for sure. 
But man, what what a cancer that guy is to have around. Well, I mean, the buzz is, and by the time that uh, you hear me and Hench buzzing in your ears, maybe he will be on a new team. It's crazy to, to me to think that there would be any NBA franchise that thinks that, it. you know, I've talked to a lot of football guys about this, and I'm like, that guy, that player is clearly, he's shown us, at least a couple of times now that he's washed up or he doesn't have it anymore. Why would a team trade for him? He said, yeah, people have said to me, you can never underestimate the egos in the league, whether it's an offensive coordinator, head coach, or GM. They think we can fix that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get him with us, though. He'll be all right. Is that the thinking with Kyrie? You would really have to, uh, to me, the only way, and even then it would be crazy because there's going to be some percentage of the fan base that's going to be like, what the F? Well, we don't want this bum on our team, but I, I can't imagine that you're you're you feel like we're tracking in the right direction for a title. Let's let's get Kyrie as the finishing piece. You would have to be sideways to try and salvage your season to do something so desperate as this. And I do have to pat myself on the back for being right, because whenever it was three months ago with the whole outrageous statements from Kyrie and Kanye and all of that, there were some percentage of people who voiced support of Kyrie. And my question then remains like, why would you ever want this guy on your team? And would you like, you can voice support for freedom of speech and everything else. You want him on your team. Now I say again, you want him on your team. Apparently the answer is yes. If you believe some of the rumors out there are teams already trying to position themselves to get him. I, it makes, it makes no GD sense to me. Well, I will say this about the Lakers uh, that, with Hachimura coming over, AD coming off the injured list, that they are they could be a terrifying eight seed. The Nuggets, I, I that will become a best bet when that I will say bet the eight seed Lakers. By the way, they'll only be like plus one forty probably if they add a shooter because all they really are missing now with LeBron, AD, and Hachimura is that shooter to take pressure off of the big guys. And if they had Kyrie, they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to win in the first round. Uh, you know, they, they won't go far, but they'll, they'll win that first round match. I kind of agree, but you know, I talk about stuff we don't talk about enough as a sports society is how is it possible? It's sort of like in the QB league. How could the Chicago Bears struggle to find a halfway decent quarterback for 57 years? That Jay Cutler is their greatest quarterback is, is just bizarre. Given what the league has become over the last five, 10 years, the NBA, how is it possible that the Lakers can't find a shooter? Every other team has seven shoot has seven perimeter shoot, shooters. Catch and shoot, knock them down, spread the floor. Pitch it on the block, pitch it to the low block, pitch it back out and make a three. How are the Lakers the only team that can't figure this out? They they just that with all their resources and their and the brand and everything else, they just, they can't get that one right. It's the easiest solve there is, it would seem, out there, right? Uh, there certainly are a lot of shooters in the league. The question is always how much is that shooter hurting you in the other phases of the game, mm. you know? Obviously, present company included. Uh, uh, you know, I, I would I would destroy the team I was playing on in all phases except for wide open spot up threes. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it. Let's go. You've got Hollywood juice getting Jeannie Buss's ear. Maybe she can yeah. give you a ten day contract. Heaven can wait. Heaven can wait. I'll buy the Lakers. Ooh, and then I didn't know you were making that much money. Good for you. That's great. Uh, uh, this is a good. It's we're gonna so. Uh, I think, or well, do we need spaghetti's goats? 
Yes, go ahead, Spaghetti, and then let's get into some of our best bets for Super Bowl 57. Oh, I also want to ask you guys, too, because it's the time of year to do this, and I think we're required to to state on the record, best Super Bowl, worst Super Bowl. But Spaghetti, take it away. Goat and goat. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. Spoiler alert, you're not going to win every bet you place, but with Caesar Sportsbook, win or lose, Every bet gives you reward credits and tier credits, which you can exchange for the best perks in the game. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. Download the Caesars Sportsbook app and start earning with Caesars Rewards. If you have a gambling problem in Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed to Horseshoe, Bossier, City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, which is 1-800-426-2537. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Quickly, just, um, I'm not a, you know, we talk about college basketball. I'm not the biggest college basketball fan, but whenever I kind of like see any news about college basketball, besides, I guess, the new number one team losing, uh, it feels like every other day, um, Jim Beheim is constantly in the news for either yelling at a student reporter, talking about how he's going to come back, <laughs> even though he's approaching, you know, 80 years old, um, complaining about Pittsburgh, Miami, and Wake Forest for buying teams. Like, I'm sure he's never dropped the bag before while he's in Syracuse. Um, so d- he just seems like, the worst like kind of curmudgeon and it's a, a theme with these older college basketball coaches that just seem to n- never really um are likable um and then my other go uh you know that you know, we were texting about this check that the uh, nhl all-star weekend we love our hockey not the greatest product um but the there is a, a funny portion of it though and seeing uh clips of uh ov jr on the ice in the in the full gear with the helmet on with the jersey that says ov jr on in the whole locker room kind of like you know playing with him him come out skate on the ice scoring a goal on uh bobrovsky um that was really cool to see that so i i do like the at least you know it was a pretty lame weekend, but seeing a kid that, you know, potentially could be in the league one day, uh, one of the greats having his son on the ice with them is a, probably a special moment for him. And I love how the rest of the guys on that team are all like rallying around him. They all seem to get along. And that was a, that was a great watch. I do think it's cool. And I think it's, I, I think there's a lesson to be extracted from that 
um, as human beings. It really is. You know, people say like, don't send that late night text or don't send that crossly worded uh, email to the bosses or any of that. I think there's something to that because look at the long haul. I'm sure what well, we, we know Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers didn't get along, but when they get together, two great guys, by the way, when they get together at Lambeau, you know, they're all hugs and sunshine and all that kind of stuff. Ovechkin and Crosby couldn't stand each other. Time makes everything all right. I think it's a product of getting older and being like, I, I, I just can't get, I can't get this hot about everything that happens. It's, I've been around too many times um, to, to just constantly be in a bad mood. But it is kind of nice that those guys come together. But, but also, Spaghetti, I think you're a little bit, not just embarrassed, I think you're worried. Because I'm, I don't know if you know the name Atlee Hammaker, but Kevin Hench can tell you what Atlee Hammaker is best known for, and that's being an all-star pitcher. In fact, being named the starter, what was that, 83, Hench? Is that right? 85, right. maybe? No, 83. We're in that range. Yeah. Atlee Hammaker, great name, um, starts for the National League and gets shelled. And it destroys him uh, mentally. He like He's never right again. He just got shelled there. You know, it's like that thing of the home run hitting contest. Some teams are like, we don't want our guy doing it because it'll change his swing and he'll start swinging and he'll have to work his way back out of that. Igor got beaten in the breakaway by what What was her name? Nurse? Are you worried that this is going to shake his confidence going forward and undermine what you hope is a glorious spring for your rags? People always say that goalies are the weirdest athlete in sports, and I think it's no different when it comes to Igor Sesterkin. I think that guy does not know where he is at all times until he's like <laughs> placed on the ice in Madison Square Garden or the opponent's <laughs> arena and be like, you're going to stop pucks. And he goes, okay. Uh, that guy just seems like he stepped off the plane. He was hanging out in Fort Lauderdale. He's hanging out in South Beach, dressed like, you know, he was coming back from Columbia or something with chains, like an open shirt, the hair back with his uh, headband in, having a good time with the, his pal Panarin. Uh, Adam Fox is there too from the Rangers. I think he is just there enjoying it up. And it, it seems like, People love him around the league. His best friends, you know, Sorokin on the aisles uh, has a bunch, you know, he's friends with Ovechkin, I guess, a bunch of other uh, Russian guys in the league. Everyone loves Igor. Igor's having a good time. And uh, I think he was just there to uh, participate um, is the best way I could say that nicely. So I, I'm, I'm not worried. I want to say this. I, I You reminded me of something that occurred to me sincerely. Uh, you know what would make, I, you couldn't do it in football. It would be weird. Well, now they didn't even have a pro, pro bowl anymore. But I, I really think this would be great kegs on the ice that would jazz up the all-star game i was really think about that i i know people oh you're kidding what if they got drunk wouldn't that be fun wouldn't it it was like yeah now they're gonna go play the best in the world but three beer minimum to get out on the ice i i think that would be dandy you know what baseball you too basketball check, i don't know it might get equilibrium might get your- screwed up Check a lot of your meandering <laughs> semi rants are ending with alcohol. Is there something you want to tell us? Because yeah, like, I'm drunk. You're like I'm drunk right now. Hey, naked and afraid. You know what would make this better? Booze. <laughs> hey, hockey. You know what we need over here is some booze. Like I was like, hey guys, it's 2023. Couldn't this female <laughs> hockey player be named Sarah Doctor? I mean, come on, the kids, the girls are looking <laughs> up to her. Why is it always nurse? State um, of the union. Everybody get loaded. Uh, Shots on your way in. I was really getting misty. Uh, uh, listening to you guys uh, go on about Ovechkin and Ovi Jr. You know, flourishing 
flourishing in a free capitalist country, yucking it up with their rivals and their friends, so much better than having a a missile hit a maternity ward in Ukraine because because spaghetti can't do the one thing we've asked him to do all year, which is go True. kill Vladimir Putin for Christ's sake. You know, let him go to the Super Bowl this week. And 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 Shesterk and everyone, all the Russians with all the money living it up in America. Like, hey, how about you decry the butcher of Moscow? Uh, and 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 explain why it's a million times or 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 a hundred million times better to live in America. It's like it's who just should do nuts. that, Jack Hughes. Who are, you, who are you appointing to call him out on that? Crosby, the ambassador. Okay, that's okay. That makes well, he's we're doing Canadian. it right here. Like, and maybe you're right, listen, you're right. I don't know that Spaghetti's not on it because obviously he wouldn't be giving us details of infiltration. And Jason Bourne passports. That's true. That's true. He just it's all it's going to be as big a surprise to us as to Vladimir Putin when spaghetti pops up. Uh, it, it Listen, a, let's spaghetti's going to go. Let his red, white and heart, uh, red, white and blue heart swell as he watches the All-American Super Bowl. And maybe then he'll realize he has to do something for his nation. And that will be to ship his, across for his the planet for his species. Yes. Amen. Amen. Spaghetti. OK. Are you done? Did you say all your goats yet? I got both, uh, Ovi Jr. and Jim Beheim, yeah. Okay, Hench, go ahead. I know you don't care about things like this. I care deeply about these things. I don't know how sports fans have no opinion on these things, but go ahead. Best Super Bowl ever, worst Super Bowl ever? Um, Well, worst Super Bowl, you know, and again, maybe you'll yell at me because I didn't watch it, but Super Bowl five, 11 turnovers. That had to be hard. That had to be unbearable to watch. 11 turnovers, five in the fourth quarter. So so Jim O'Brien, the pea shooter, makes the field goal at the end to mercifully end it. Um, so that's that's the worst. That's just, I mean, even a blowout is still somebody was excellent. Right. You know, even if, if the Niners put up 55 or 49, they were they were. Oh, I would never say that. That was that was yeah. maybe the greatest dynasty. It's in the conversation at minimum. At the peak of their powers. The weird part about that is Bill Walsh isn't on the sidelines anymore. It's George Seifert, but that machine was humming at uh, at its highest level as they just completely humiliated a halfway decent Elway Broncos team. I always denounce the other, but th- that was not a bad team, but they looked uh, a tro- why well, anybody would have that was just uh, that was the peak of the Niners at the, at the uh, of their dynasty. There. So, so, you know, my whole childhood into well into adulthood you know, and I, this will, I assume will be yours. Um, so I'll just honorable mention it so you can say it, but like Steelers 35, Cowboys 31, was that 13? 13. You know, it's like, that was just the gold standard. Rocky Blyer with the cat. Like it was just everything about that. It was grabs was rooting for the Steelers. They were kind of my, like, well, the Patriots are not going to go very far. So you had to have someone to root for. So that one, but it's, it's funny. If I think about as a Homer, if I think about all the, all the different ones we, those Patriots won. Um, and obviously Patriots Falcons, you know, that's, that's such a unique achievement, but that was like, that was like all one way. And then all the other way, there was no flow in that game, but the one you just mentioned Patriots Seahawks, and you must've felt it when you were, if you were in the building, you know, it was like, Hey, I think the Patriots are going to have their way with this team. Then it was like, Oh no, they're not. 
The Seahawks are going to have the way with the Patriots. They go up double digits on the Patriots. Nobody has come back against the Legion of Boom. This game's basically over. Brady leads them back, takes the lead 28-24 on the Edelman touchdown. That game's over now, except Marshawn gets free on the wheel route and Curse makes the crazy fluke catch. Everyone's going helmet catch 2.0. And then Malcolm Butler, as you mentioned it. So in terms of win probability shifting back and forth, I think that's the all-time most violent changes over the course of 60 minutes. I agree. I think that's that's in the conversation for best Super Bowl. The most under mentioned or whatever uh one that deserves more buzz is Niners Ravens. That game is that game's a gem on every level including the weirdness with the blackout and all that kind of stuff. It was just kickoff returns, crazy iconic plays on both sides, last play of the game it comes down to all that kind of stuff. That's a that's a fascinating one. In fact, I think I would combine I think Super Bowl 13's first half is the best first half of a Super Bowl you ever see. I mean the 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 two all-time heavyweight slugging it out back and forth. Larry Hegman and, and Hollywood Henderson picking the pocket of Terry Bradshaw and running it in in one direction and crazy catches from Stallworth and uh, long dashes from 82 as well, back and forth. That's a gem. The best second half might be Patriots-Panthers. People forget that that game was 3 nothing at the half, which is his, which is hilarious, but then it turns into just a, a splendid back and forth, a little sullied by John Casey kicking the ball out of bounds because otherwise we would have had an overtime to look I at think before. I, just, just, I think it's Mike Hegman. What I say, Larry Hag? Oh, Larry Hag. <laughs> I'm blending. I'm ba- blending Larry Hagman. Yeah, right. Both Cowboys, both Dallas, Dallas, uh, the the old uh, Texas stadium was in the opening of, uh, of Dallas, the TV show. That would have been a good, uh, that would have been a good poster. Hagman and Hagman just standing in their, in their work outfits. True. True. Uh, Spaghetti, your thoughts. I know you're going to go, let me guess. You're going to go. I know. You know what? I, 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 I'm, I'm assuming you're going to go giants route here, but that's assuming too much. That's unfair to you. Go ahead. In terms of the ones I enjoyed. Sure. Um, you know, there are there are other ones I, I did have like fun watching, I, I guess, like, you know, seeing weirdly enough, seeing Tom Brady win as a Buccaneer was like almost surreal. You're like, this guy has multiple Hall of Fame careers within his Patriots career and then leaves and then makes the you know, the, the Super Bowl with the, this new team. And like that was wild in terms of Super Bowls. I hate it. I can go on for a half hour. I mean. The the Patriots the thirteen three over the Rams like not only because that's the worst I think terrible. that's the worst terrible I, I didn't even in my time at the NFL I, I could get crushed them now because I don't work there anymore but like they don't send me and I'm stuck in a room in this like facility and then I'm like watching the most boring game of all time and I barely had to do any work at at work the entire time there that game was just absolutely terrible um you know like Sal was asking the other day which game you wish you could switch around. Uh, the ending, like, obviously, I would have liked to see Russ win back to back Super Bowls, like with the Malcolm Butler play. But uh, I guess that was exciting. So I don't really hate it. You know, you're going to crush me on this one, Dave, because uh, your your Steelers beat the Cardinals. But like even the other day I was watching the, the clip came up on Twitter, the James Harrison interception. Like he literally hurdles a guy that was clipped like that should not have been a touchdown. Oh, uh, no, the you do it's that. The it's the truth. It's the truth. And, um, you know, the, the, like you guys have been fortunate in both Super Bowls 
Bowls with the calls. Um, I, I mean, the Giants losing to the Ravens. Both. We've been in so many, I can't even keep them straight. What do you mean? The recent Both. ones. Um, the the Giants losing to the Ravens in 2000, obviously, like that was a great Ravens defensive team. Um, but just watching that game and it being a blowout, and I was just like, okay, so we were good all year. We made it this far and we're just going to lose the last game. And I was, what was I eight or nine years old? So I was not, I couldn't really process it. I was like, Oh, this is it. This is just over now. You made it here, but you don't get to celebrate. So that whole season meant nothing. Um, it was just, you know, that was a bad one. So I, I would say those, but yeah, obviously the giants winning the, I could, I could, recount every minute of every day uh, of those Super Bowl days, especially the second one. Like I remember the, I was in Boston, I was in college. My one friend from BC came over to BU. We're watching it together. Everyone in our dorm room was like, come on, let's go to a party. And I was like, you really don't understand this. Like, I'm not going to your party. I'm watching this game. I'm, I'm gluing in front of myself in front of the TV to watch this with my, with my pal. I'm not going to some party and entire dorm empty halftime was Madonna and we were losing at halftime. The Giants were losing at halftime. I remember just like me with my head against the cement wall, my friend Tom with his like head just between his legs, um, just like suffering through this halftime thing. And obviously we came back to Manningham catch, um, you know, and, and the Giants ended up winning that one. That was, that was uh, surreal walking around the campus of BU with like a Justin Tuck jersey on with all these sad Patriots fans coming back. That was pretty sweet. I was I was there to watch uh, Hench's gang get their first Lombardi. I was in New Orleans sitting right next to uh, the aforementioned cousin Sal. He did not have a good day because he was on the Rams <laughs> one week after he had been on the Steelers against those Patriots. All right. See, good times, good times and bad, memorable at minimum. And that leads us into a conversation about um, Super Bowl 57 and where to lay your money down or where Pseudo sharps, Kevin Hench, Eddie Spaghetti, and Dave Damashek are going to put theirs. Let's jump into it now, shall we? Spaghetti, like I say, has provided us with uh, with the lines to look at here. And now a quick break. Chiefs, we'll start there, Hench. Start us off with the biggest pick of all. Eagles laying one and a half at the time of this recording. Total now up to 50. How say you? Um, you know, it's funny when when... Brady just kept pushing the number out so far. You're like, you know, it's kind of fun. Like, you know, like will LeBron catch Jordan? I mean, well, no one's going to catch Bill Russell, but like that thing of like Brady's the goat and no one will ever come close to this. And then when Mahomes, uh, you know, beat the Niners to win his first, you're like, well, if there's a candidate out there to start to reel Tom Brady in, it's Patrick Mahomes. And so, I mean, he's obviously gone to five straight AFC championship games. Now he has an opportunity to win his second. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts is an excellent football player. I do think there it, at this on this stage, there is a, it, it's very helpful to have been through it, you know. And and so I feel like in a very coin flippy situation, I'm going to go with the with the go to parent, the the heir apparent to Brady having been there before, um, you know, I, and I and even though I think Spaghetti pointed out last week, a lot of times and you just pointed out that Panthers uh, uh, Patriots Super Bowl three nothing at the half. A lot of times these games take a while to get going. I like the over. I think these teams are going to move the ball against each other. Um, so I like the Chiefs to the over. I'm. Still angry 
that not just all my same day bets on the Bengals obviously lost, but the future stuff I had on the Bengals obviously loses when that loses. So I'm not happy to be picking the Chiefs or that they're playing in this game. Um, but I, I like the Chiefs and Mahomes uh, to to prevail and the over. I like the over because, as I mention all the time, I mean, especially with the Super Bowl. Come on, everybody. Life's too short. You know, Sal told me that round about year 2000, maybe 99. He said, listen, just always. But you want a fun bet? Always bet the over. It's it's fun. You're in it the whole game long. You're never fully out of it. Um and it, it's something to root for. You're rooting for action. That's a, so so do that. If you're if you are the most novice gambler, you don't know who you like to win. Bet the over. Put a little something on that. It'll make the game a little more entertaining for you. And I hear your points about that. I think it's a great point for real. The idea that Jalen Hurts has now proven something to the world. Yeah, he has. He he had to do what he did to legitimize himself at this level, but. The Super Bowl is still different. It's weird. The whole day is weird. The whole week is weird. It's just not like something that he's already been through. I know he's been with Bama in those big spots and all of that. This is different. The stage is weird. The idea that there's a halftime show with, um, wait, who's playing the halftime show? Oh, uh, 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 I can't think of her Rihanna. name. But, uh, Rihanna. Rihanna. <laughs> Such an old fool. Rihanna. All that kind of stuff. It is just, it just is different. And it, I do think there's something to be said for the comfort of having already been through it. That said, what I think is um, transferable week to week. The the thing with the Patriots that in a weird way always worked over the 20 years was, you know, you hear a lot about uh, what's your identity as a football team, more than in any other sport, I think. The identity of your football team matters, who you are, what your what, what your brand is. Um, and you know, old school Steelers fans go on a dude, we're about defense and running the ball. Like, I don't know if you're paying attention, but that's not necessarily the case. The Patriots, their thing was that they were chameleons. They could play any way you want to 13 to three or shoot it out with you, whatever the opponent wanted to do. The Patriots were capable of beating you at that brand of ball admirable, but it kind of leave always left something to be desired for, for this football fan. Um, for obvious reasons, and I'm biased against them. The Eagles, their brand that they just can push you around, and that has been true at least all season long. They the only swoon that they've had was when Jalen Hurts had to sit down. They are going to be able to push the Chiefs around just like they were able to push the Niners around. Do you think that the line of scrimmage is stronger for the Chiefs on either side than what the Niners threw out there against them? No, of course, and all through the season. Like I say, minus those couple weeks where Jalen Hurts sat down, this team has been a truck. They have rolled over everybody who's gotten in their way. I see no reason why that would be any different here. I get what you're talking about, Hench, that experience matters, but not enough to slow down the raw brawn that the Eagles are going to throw out there against them. I think they're going to, I think they're going to ultimately run right over this team. Spaghetti, how say you? Yeah, I'm with you, Dave. Um, I said last week on a few shows, I said I thought that if there was going to be a blowout chance with the Eagles um in the 49ers game, it wasn't going to be on the Eagles side, which is what happened. Obviously, we didn't foresee them losing both you know two quarterbacks in that game and the 49ers even did do a number on them and for a while it was close and I think if there, if there was a team in the NFL that could have kept it close 
Um, it probably is the 49ers. They just match up the best out of any team in the NFL versus this Eagles team. The only chance I see the Chiefs having uh, a path to victory is just Mahomes playing hero ball and just obviously mistakes on the Eagles side, turnovers, but I just think they're just too good in every position. The Eagles, uh, you know, people are talking about Chris Jones and how dominant he is. Well, the Eagles' strength is the interior offensive line. Uh, I could see, you know, Chiefs' uh, pass defense is not great. They have the most touchdown pass in the league, I believe. So I think Jalen Hurts is going to feast on that. He's just going to be hard to stop. It's always hard to stop a mobile quarterback. So I like the Chiefs. Uh, sorry, I like the Eagles massively in this game. I like a 34-24 score. Obviously, Eagles laying the points, and I do like the over as well. So I, I think this will Double be up race. on the spread. That's yeah. available for you on Caesars. Do something, uh, go with an alt spread there if you're that confident in the Eagles doing it. And I don't think you're crazy for that. Super Bowl MVP, Hench, how say you? Um, I mean, it's so, a pretty easy one, I guess, if you're picking you know, the Chiefs. So it's what's wild, you know, and Spaghetti sent out all the props and some, you know, the, obviously there's some there's some much better numbers where you're like, um, you know, like what am I looking at here? Like Kelsey plus a thousand, AJ Brown plus twelve hundred, uh, Sanders plus twenty five hundred. Here's the problem, right? And I don't know if you guys do this, but like I often bet kind of defensively where I'm like, what, what, how do I avoid losing money and feeling enraged? And the problem with betting on any non-quarterback to win MVP in the Super Bowl is it opens you up to the possibility that Miles Sanders was the MVP. Here's Jalen Hurts getting the MVP trophy. Travis Kelsey was the MVP. Here's Patrick Mahomes getting the MVP trophy. And so I went back and I looked, I said, how often, how often has a quarterback stolen the MVP award from a teammate? And I, so I was like, well, let me just scan through just quickly, just briefly scan through Super Bowl history to see how often the Super Bowl MVP has gone to the wrong guy, and it was the quarterback. So you start out of the gate, Super Bowl one. Bart Starr has a nice game. He's got 250 yards passing and two touchdowns. Elijah Pitts or Max McGee, right? 138 of those yards are to Max McGee, and both touchdowns are to Max McGee. Anybody who follows football knows that a 250-yard passing performance with two touchdowns is not as impressive as a 138-yard you know, like 56% of your passing yards went to one guy and he scored both touchdowns. Obviously, Max McGee is the MVP of that game if you know how football works. I'm like, oh, they established this right out of the gate. It's like the, the heavyweight champion. Oh, it's it's the quarterback's award unless something goes crazy. So then I go, well, what about Super Bowl two? Bart Starr has a, an inferior game to his first one. 202 yards passing. Packers defense dominant. Herb Adderley, 60-yard uh, interception return for a touchdown. Spark Stars MVP. So then we get to, the course, the famous one, Super Bowl three. Joe Namath throws for 400 yards? No, 206. Three touchdowns? No, zero. So he throws for 206 yards, no touchdowns. Matt Snell carries the ball 30 times for 121 yards and a touchdown, catches four balls for 40 yards. So he has 161 total yards 
and the games and and the and the uh, Jets only touchdown. Who gets the MVP? Hey, this handsome guy guaranteed it. Oh, then by all means, give give Joe Namath. I'm at Super Bowl three at this point. I love I, what I love about this is is that it debunks that these things are like. See, we've as a society come to embrace the star of the team, but it's a team sport. It started with one through three, so you're yeah. absolutely right. Oh wait, Super Bowl four gets worse. So Len Dawson by Super Bowl four, you're no longer naming an MVP. You're merely naming the starting quarterback for the winning team. Len Dawson has 142 yards passing with an interception. Okay, so Otis Taylor has 81 of those yards and a touchdown and six catches. So you could go Otis Taylor or... And makes and makes a great play to lose a guy up the sideline for that one touchdown. Otherwise, uh, Lenny Dawson throws for about 80 yards. In that <laughs> exactly. Ball. So Lenny Dawson does not have a good game. Or you, you say, wait a minute. How about this dominant defense? How about That's Willie right. Lanier with a, right. you know, a, the, a, a Hall of Fame middle linebacker? How about uh, Johnny Robinson has an interception and a fumble recovery. Do you guys, so what, so then you're like, okay, so we get out of the gate real, real weak. Now in Super Bowl five, as I mentioned a, a few minutes ago, 11 turnovers, they couldn't give the, couldn't give MVP to a quarterback. So Chuck Howley is the, is the MVP on a losing team, but this trend continues. But drags, but by the way, Chuck Howley um, gets the MVP losing team. He has the two picks. Okay, noteworthy, especially in that age. But I think has one total tackle. He's the MVP of the game. <laughs> so I think I, I might be wrong. I'm pretty sure he gets one guy to the ground over 60 minutes. He's your MVP. So this trend continues. I mean, obviously, Tom Brady's 145 yards passing in his first Super Bowl when the offense scored as many touchdowns as Ty Law. Tom Brady should have a ceremony where he gives that MVP trophy to his Wolverine uh, fellow Wolverine, Ty Law. That's his that's his MVP trophy. Um, and and then, you know, even even as, as Spaghetti just mentioned, you know, Brady throws for two hundred and one yards with the Bucks when it's the defense that when it's Devin White, like it's like the defense dominates the Chiefs and Mahomes. And it's just they just automatically give it to the quarterback in such a gross way, which is why these numbers are what they are. But what what the what has been proven from the dawn of the Super Bowl era to the to the current moment is that the people that cover the NFL for a living live that are at the game do not know who the most valuable player of the game was. They they cannot tell you. Who was the most valuable player in this game? Well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm obsessive about Super Bowls and all this kind of stuff, and I'm steeped in Super Bowl lore. I mean, there are a lot of other. They're Clarence Davis in Super Bowl eleven. I don't know why Freddie Bolitnikoff got that MVP. Super Bowl eleven's a great example. Chef. He's not a he's not a quarterback. Okay. Why why so, did Bolitnikoff so, get it over Clarence? Da Clarence so, Davis goes so for like Stabler, one. Stabler ahead. throws for 180 yards. They're like, okay, we can't do the super lazy thing and give it to Stabler. So Belitnikov has four catches for 79 yards and no touchdowns. Casper has four catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. So Belitnikov's not even the most valuable receiver on the Raiders. But to your point, 
Clarence Davis carries 16 times for 137 yards, 8.6 yards a carry, and they give it to Fred Belenikoff. It's time after time after time they've proven we cannot recognize. We don't know anything about football. Here are the, Richard Dent. I mean, like, why give it to Richard Dent in Super Bowl 20? I mean, if, if ever you were going to say, let's just give it to the whole defense or for that matter, the whole Ravens defense. They're they're not nimble enough in the press box, like cast your ballot now, but there should be some ability to say, you know what? That offensive line is the reason for victory in this game. Let's give it to the entire offensive line. Or there, there should be the ability to modify the standards in the moment, but they're they're nowhere close to being able to do that. I'm going through some other ones here. I'm looking at them. James Washington over Emmett Smith in the second one against the Bills. He he scooped and scored a fumble to kind of salt that one away early in the second half. People forget though that second Bills Cowboy Super Bowl was a lot closer, but James Washington kind of expands the lead when it was close in the early second half there. Um, and he picks off Jim Kelly as well. So that he should have been the MVP over Emmett there. Um, all right. I, I don't want to just uh, keep blathering here because I can do this as I say for, for a long time here, but yes, many specious results there. Um, boy, I want to deep dive on this now that you bring it up, but uh, I guess now's not the time, but uh, yes, your point is well taken. Back to the here and now or one week. So from I'll now. take Mahomes. Who's your MVP? Plus, I'll take Mahomes. That's boring. Plus one thirty, super boring. And and to you know, and Spaghetti's probably going to take Hertz plus one twenty five. You know that. What else? Why would you? You do know, I'm else? going with a fun bet. I'm going with Hassan Reddick. He's in a good spot there. His name probably he's got the shortest odds of any defensive player in this game because of how he looked against the Niners and probably some semi-casual football fans became aware of him for the first time there. So he probably will get a little more heat than he otherwise would have. But I do think things set up for him to have a good day against his particular matchup in that spot. And don't forget, Mahomes is still on that high ankle sprain. Just because he played well doesn't mean he's 100% healthy. So he's going to be a little less mobile. He's going to be more, a little bit more of a static target. I think that there's a good chance that a pass rusher, because that's where you'll find the cracks, is if I, I mentioned James Washington there, but Jake Scott in Super Bowl seven gets a couple of picks. Chuck Howley gets a couple. Malcolm Smith gets hit. Rod Martin gets his. And so people tend to vibe to those weird kind of uh, kind of numbers. If you put up a bit, Hassan Reddick, if he, you know, sets, I, I wouldn't be insane if he Von Millard it and got two and a half sacks and forced a fumble or something like that, that could swing a game that might make him the MVP. So plus 4,000, if only for the juice to make it a little more fun, I'm going to take Reddick spaghetti. How say you? I mean, Henge isn't wrong. I, I I think if the Eagles win, it's hard to see Hurts not being the MVP just because not only is he throwing the ball, but obviously the use of his legs. And I do think that'll be a large factor in this game. But there is a path, uh, especially we've seen recent years with Edelman winning um, Cooper Cup last year. Like there could be a receiver that wins. I do think if the Chiefs somehow pull this off and I, I you know, in the my best bets, I have a lot of the I have the over on everything with Travis Kelsey. And I have Travis Kelsey scoring two touchdowns in that game. I think there's a path for Travis Kelsey to, to snag MVP, but I think if the Eagles win, um, you know, with if AJ Brown or Devontae Smith have a huge game, there is a 
a, a path for them to pull it off, kind of like how Cooper Cup did last year. But what hurts them, obviously, um, literally, is that hurts his ability to get the rush yards, which I like the over on that, too, with him. Like, he'll probably score on the ground, and I think just him having that extra factor is what's going to give him the, the little step above the receiving um, the receivers on, on the Eagles. So I am going to go with the boring pick with Jalen Hurts here. Plus, it's kind of like a um, – uh, you know, it fits the narrative of like, you know, the, the guy who was down and out, obviously Alabama transfers, no one really counted him last year in the playoffs. They, they lost. Now all of a sudden it's MVP candidate. They want to give to the guy that's like the feel good story. I, I think they're going to play into that. Uh, real quick. Fair I, enough. Like, I like Pacheco over 64 combined yards. He seems to have separated from McKinnon in terms of touches, you know, he just, and, and he's a battering Ram. I, I, I feel like uh, that, you know, either on the ground or through the air, he's he's gonna he's gonna get his touches and is gonna produce more than that. Pretty small total. Now, real quick, I know we don't break. He's not big, he's not a big dude, but he he reminds me of Marshawn Lynch. Like he he delivers a blow at the end of every run. The pile uh, tends to go a yard and a half further than you thought it was. Like the only thing with him is, and anybody else in that backfield is like you know, Ceh is now healthy and. I mean, how bizarre was it early in that title game? Like Ronald Jones just got a carry in the AFC Championship game, twenty twenty two. What? I mean, you never know what Andy Reid's going right. to do. But yeah, I hear you. It's not, as, it's like not as bizarre as this. Okay, we mentioned Larry Hagman. We mentioned Mike <laughs> Hagman. Uh-huh. You mentioned the Dallas opening credits. Uh huh. Where where was that stadium located? specifically in those Dallas opening credits. Irving? Kyrie Irving traded to the Dallas Mavericks, according to Spaghetti's note. What? Oh, it all things come to Big D. Ironically, Kyrie Irving will be playing no D in Big D. That's that's our version of the breaking news. That's our reaction to it. Uh, that's pretty good. Okay, so now we have our answer. See, somebody was willing to trade for him. Oh, poor Luca. Oh, listen, I, I root for. I, I don't get the Luca thing. I think he should be. I know he's one of the biggest stars. I don't think he's ragged. Talk about underappreciated. I feel like Luca's a tick below. He's in one of the biggest cities in America, so you can't. Uh, make it because of that. I guess they haven't really done that much in the postseason. But anyway, all right, let's press forward here. Interesting stuff. Um some of if these press, jersey number, press, the first score. If I, I don't press know. forward, you mean wrap it up. That'd be great. Okay. We're gonna wrap it up here. I'm just looking for our best bets here. Do you have any you want to throw out? I liked your Pacheco offering. Um anybody gonna score two general. touchdowns. In, in general, I it seems like when you look at like anytime touchdown scorers that according to Vegas, the final score of this game will be 140 to 128. The odds are so short on people scoring touchdowns. It's like these guys can't all score touchdowns, you know, plus 120, plus 160. Like, so just as a general, even though we all like the over, I think I would go against these individual touchdown totals. If you bet a bunch of them, they can't all score touchdowns. That's not how football works. What do you think about Eagles first drive result? Punt is minus 105, a touchdown's plus 250, a field goal's plus 400, turnovers plus 550. I love field goal at that price. It just seems that that just seems like 
You're happy with a field goal. Obviously, Sirianni loves to go for it on fourth, but like you want to come away with points there. I love that price at field goal. I also love um, the uh, even-numbered first touchdown score. That, Do you? Yeah. Well, look at all the even numbers that that you yeah. know that 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 could punch it in. Certainly on the Eagles. I'll leave it to the against all odds boys. They are wizards collectively of figuring out who's going to score the first touchdown in a game. I don't know how they continue to hit on that. Anytime touchdown though, like Spaghetti said, I feel like Hertz is going to run one in at some point. At some point, they'll get down and they'll truck them. Uh, they'll truck the Chiefs um, on their way, and one is going to get into the end zone. Get that at plus 110. That's a fun, specific play there. I don't know if anybody's – I love to – lay down some actual loot on somebody scoring two touchdowns. I guess Kelsey would be the best bet there. And in fact, he is at plus 500 shortest odds. there. pretty juicy payout, but you're asking for a lot getting to the end zone twice in one Super Bowl. spaghetti. Anything you want to throw out here? Yeah, I'll just run through my uh, the best bets. Um, like I said it before, I Kelsey two touchdowns plus five hundred. I think he, with all their injuries to you know Tony and Juju, the questionable Miko Harmon doubtful. Like I Kelsey's the guy. I think that they're gonna that any path for them to win that game. I think is gonna go through Travis Kelsey. It's always just hard to, to cover him. He's a mismatch nightmare. I think there's a real chance that if I, I, my score is what uh, 34-24. so I think that there's definitely a chance of Kelsey having two of those touchdowns. Um, I like Kelsey over. Over seven and a half catches like Kelsey over 70, um, 78 and a half yards. Uh, Mahomes, the bum ankle, he's going to rely more on his arm than his leg. So I like him over past uh, one and a half touchdowns. Um, the Philly, the first drive thing, they're the believe the best team in the NFL in scoring touchdowns their first drive, but Super Bowl. And I think, um, you know, it's just one of those things where you play a little bit tighter. Um, so first drive field goal plus 400 for Philly. The, you know, the Chris Jones thing, like I said before, dominant game last week. I don't think the same is going to happen again. Uh, this Eagles offense line is phenomenal. And, uh, you know, the, obviously the mobility of, of Jalen Hurts is paramount. So I know Chris Jones sack is plus 100. I do like that. Eagles to score in every quarter plus 210. If you're going to score 34 points, I do like them to be, um, to, you know, every single quarter they will score, I think, in my, my mind. Uh, Goddard over four and a half receptions, I think, is a pretty easy one. Um, you know, I, I think that they're going to target him. The, the Chiefs will do their best job to try to stop the receivers from making plays. But Goddard four and a half is kind of low for him. Same thing with Kenneth Gainwell. He had a monster game versus the Giants. Um, not as much of a monster game versus the 49ers, but still had almost 50 yards on the ground. I think 19 and a half. I, I know versus. I like, yeah, I like, I was going to say, I like him over 19 and a half and also 11 and a half in reception yards. Mm-hmm. And I'll throw another receptions one in there for you, too. Um, I like um, on the other side of the, or I, uh, AJ Brown uh, over 70 and a half. Yeah. And uh, I think this is probably the easiest bet to make in the entire game, whether it's the not even the spread, not even the the total, even if the Eagles lose. Jalen Hurts over one and a half t- passing touchdowns. The Eagle, the the Chiefs pass defense is so bad they give up a ton of passing touchdowns. Even in a loss, I still can't see a game where Hurts does not have two passing touchdowns. So I love this one. Hurts over one and a half passing touchdowns. So those are all my best bets. Well, my favorite one. Uh, uh, avoiding the juice attached to it. The one that I feel most confident that is ostensibly a a coin flip is Patrick Mahomes passing yards over 287 and a half. What, what, 
What, how could this game flow where Patrick Mahomes throws for 250, win or lose? It seems, of course, they're gonna he's he's got to throw for 350 in this one. So so I think uh, that's a juicy one. There you go. Any more you want to throw out there, Hench? Before I just, we, it's uh, funny we you guys have invoked, uh, you've invoked the ankle sprain. I, it's like it, it's in, it was insane how much better he got in a week. And so I, I just don't think it's going to be any kind of factor. I don't really understand it, but like, I think, I don't think he's going to be limited. And I like Mahomes first carry over three and a half yards because they don't sneak with him. That's not, you know, they'll have a tight end go in motion and stop mm-hmm. at the center and take the snap, but you, you eliminate all the one yard sneaks. So I, you know, I just think he was, you know, he was moving terribly after it happened and he came back in the game and then he was moving pretty well, certainly by the end, the bitter end of that title game. And I think with two weeks of, of injections and treatment, uh, I, I could definitely see one of his little jogs for seven past the first down. I hear you. I, I, I don't think, I don't think that's uh, outrageous, but I also think that it's gotta be in his head just a little bit. The coaches have to probably say to him, listen, if you're thinking about taking off at some point, just don't, that's a, nothing great is going to come of that. But if you get tackled in the open field and it's a weird tackle that could end the game for us, that could end our chances. Chad Henney's not going to salvage this game for us so i i could see him just feeling limited not so much throwing the ball but just taking away the the ability to take off if he has to so anyway that's that listen hench we will miss you in arizona we appreciate you carving out a little bit of time on your sunday your one day off we from making pages and being a good dad going off to disneyland to see that what the rest of the world looks like you'll be missed but anybody who is in glendale slash phoenix during the week make sure you give a shout out to us say hello to us if you see us out and about on radio row or beyond eddie spaghetti sal the rest of the gang will all be out there and be looking for our content on extra points on social media and beyond. We're going to be pushing it out all week long. Can't wait to be out there with Omaha and Caesars and can't wait to catch up with you on the other side of it. Hench, we'll be catching up with you, the listener all week and on the other side of Super Bowl 57 until then. Thanks so much sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>